Are we ready? Yes, Last week I talked about an effective member and I was trying to teach you your role as a member of a particular church and this church to be specific. I talked about a few points, like for example, you're not expected to miss church. I talked about how you must plan your offerings and givings, right? I talked about how you must pray for one another as a church. I talked about a number, a number of things last week. Um, today, I will talk about the importance of the church. The importance of the church. You see, we, we are in a social media era. And what it means to be in a social media era is that people have opinions on everything. Even things that they have no idea about. That's, as in people have opinions over every single thing online. Every single thing online. Just this week, I remember I was chatting with a friend. I was telling him to say, I don't know about you, but every week there's someone posting about relationships. I am so tired of reading those things. I don't know that people are going through things or what. There's always someone advising us <laughs> on their WhatsApp status. I don't know. Maybe we should be paying you for that, for that advice. <laughs> I want to just post like an money to you. You see, the point generally is everyone has got a view on how things should be. And it's not wrong to have an opinion and to have views, all right? Because we've grown up differently. We have different ideas and different ways of doing things. So it's not wrong to have opinions on, on matters, but you don't have to say every opinion you have, especially online. It's not everything that you should have an opinion over. It's really, really not. So those of you who are very vocal online, just it's okay to post one or two things, eh? but it shouldn't be everything. This happens in the country, you're already, you're already talking about it. Politics, you talk about it. Football, you talk about it. Marriages, your advice. <laughs> everything. You even know how, what a good husband must look like, but you don't even, you, you've never been a good boyfriend, but you know what a good husband should be like. You know how women should behave, but you don't even know how to treat women yourself. You can't have an opinion on everything. No, 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 you can't. You understand, right? You really, really can't. Some things just keep quiet. When people say something, just laugh and just move on. <laughs> like, oh, my sister, my brother, thank you. And then you move on. So don't have an opinion on everything. So this social media era has opinions, even just how church should be run. It's people who don't even go to church who tell us how to run churches. The people who come to church don't even comment about such things. Problem with pastors nowadays, okay, go backwards, go, go in the 60s. We see and become a member. <laughs> no, the pastors of this generation, wait for the next generation. You see, there are so many, there are so many opinions about how things should be. So many opinions. And one thing I'll tell you is this: beyond human opinions, you must uphold the word of God above everything else. That's the most important thing you must do. Uphold God's word above every opinion. So before you give opinions out there, I remember there was a time when um, I think it was I think it was Catherine Kuhlman who was being interviewed uh, by someone. And then and you know in an interview you're being asked to give opinions and everything, right? About matters. So when she was asked a question, she'd always start with the Bible says, the Bible says. So the interviewer got irritated and said, look, I want to know your thoughts, not what the Bible says. I already know what the Bible says. Then she says, look, I have no opinions of my own. What the scriptures say, I've adopted. I don't have anything else to tell you. 
what the Bible says. You see, the word of God must be your ultimate reference to how you think. Are you following? Yes. Yeah. You must, beyond every opinion, you're allowed to have opinions. You're really allowed. But beyond every opinion you must, you must weigh your opinion against the word of God. If you know your opinion is contrary to the word of God, or it contradicts the word of God, even just a little, just change it. Are we together? So don't follow everything. Online they will tell you things. No, church is in the heart. Church is in the heart, really. Is that what the Bible says? The Bible tells you church is in your heart. No, it's about the heart. You can know, you can watch, you can watch. You see, there are so many things people say that just don't make any sense. No, the reason I stopped going to church is because the church is full of hypocrites. People behave this way, and behave, but you, okay, you, how are you? <laughs> you understand, right? Like you, really, how I, before you talk about, and you see, this, this, this is something that you must realize. There are different kinds of people who come to church. Even right in here. There are some people right now who their biggest problem here is that they want to grow their prayer life. They have no issue with anything else. Another person just wants to learn how to pray. Another person doesn't even care about learning how to pray. just want to stop sinning. <laughs> I just want to stop. Whether I have a prayer life or I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you understand, right? Yes. Other people come to just just because they just love pastor Samuels. Just love pastor. <laughs> like just love pastor. I don't care about anything. Just pastor. <laughs> there are people come from different reasons <laughs> to church. So even right here, there are just there are different categories of people. So you can't judge what he his reasons for coming to church is against his. Because they, are they may be at different levels. Maybe he's learning how to pray. And then for him, he just wants to grow in the word of God. He already, he already knows how to pray. For him, prayer is not a problem. If you say, let's pray, I will pray until tomorrow. There's no issue. <laughs> but he just can't seem to study the Bible for an hour. But he can pray for an hour. Such a problem. <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's, that's a topic for another day. Yeah, that's a topic for another day. So, there are different reasons why people come to church. And as you are here and interacting, you may be friends and whatnot, but God is dealing with us differently. So you don't paint the church based on the character of one people or two people or a particular group of people. You will go to ministries and you will find there are certain people. Listen, I remember there was a time when someone came to complain somewhere. And not about this ministry, but I've done a lot of ministry. So, so there, was, there was a place where... I was leading some people, and some of the people I was leading were exes. Dreads, long hair like that. Nothing wrong with dreads and long hair. Like, I, re I, th I really think it's cool. You know, I really think it's a very cool thing to have dreads. I just wouldn't have it. Because <laughs> I think I wouldn't look nice in it. But yeah, so there were these exes and whatnot. And then one time someone complained, like, these ones that you are leading and they are looking like this, how can they even win others to Christ? What, 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 what? I just told them, say, look, one thing I would do is that I would teach them the word of God. If after they've learned the word of God, they realize that they don't have to maintain themselves that way, then they will change. 
But after the, after the anointing of God, they realized that, look, it's not really about my hair, but about my character as a person and who I am in Christ. Then they will maintain it. You understand, right? I've met more spiritually mature people who act as your buddies in this world. So it's not in the suit. And the handkerchief as, as a mantle. I don't know what people do. <laughs> Even by Katawe or from Kulima Tau, I have a mantle. <laughs> People need to start washing those things even. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. yeah. So it's not in that. It's in who you are in Christ. You've known who you are in Christ. And you're functioning in who you are in Christ. And as you grow, certain things will change eventually. And that's how it is with people. Sometimes we have to allow people to grow. We have to sometimes. For the sake of their growth, sometimes just have to allow them to grow. You understand, right? Yeah, sometimes I, I receive reports about, about some of you. No, Pastor, we saw this one somewhere. I'm like, oh, okay, fine, don't worry, I know. <laughs> We're still dealing with this one. <laughs> In due time. <laughs> Even as a pastor, right? There are, some, there are certain people that I am dedicated to ensuring that they are growing. Other people have just realized that may, Lord, may, they, may they not miss the rapture. I'm just keeping them for, for the rapture. Purposes, that they don't miss the coming of the Lord. will be good. <laughs> for others, they have to grow <laughs> because they've got a ministry to fulfill. Others, they just shouldn't miss the coming of the Lord Jesus. Shouldn't cast them by surprise. <laughs> anyway, the importance of the church. Church is very important. Don't go about believing that it's just about the heart. The heart is very important, yes, but it's not just about the heart. God has intended for believers to meet and fellowship together. It's very, very important. I'll give you a few reasons why church is important. But before I go to, to the reasons, one thing you must know, last week I talked about the duties of a member of the church. You must apply yourself to the duties you have as a member of the church. You must give yourself entirely to, 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 to all the duties that you have. For example, one of, one of the duties I, I mentioned is the fact that you must, not, you must not miss church. That means you've got an obligation to ensure that you are in church every week as long as it's up to you. Are we together? But one of the reasons why church is important, number one, church is a place of training. Church is a place of training. One of the things last week I mentioned is, is that... Um, God has given us a ministry of reconciliation and we have an obligation to, to fulfill that ministry of reconciliation. Right? Colossians chapter number 4 verse 17. Colossians chapter number 4 verse 17. Are you there? Colossians chapter number 4 verse 17. If you are there, say glory. glory. Even people are still turning there saying glory. People are lying in church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're still waking, amen. <laughs> Even those without Bibles are looking at you. Glory. <laughs> no Bible man. <laughs> Colossians chapter number four, verse 17. Are we there? Yes, The Bible says, um, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you've received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. Have you seen that? It says, take heed to the ministry which you've received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. So in other words, there's a ministry we've received from God and we must fulfill it. 
And one of them, I remember I taught last week, is a ministry of reconciliation. Every believer has got a ministry of reconciliation and they must, you must fulfill it. Do you know that it's not enough to come to church, even if you are living right before God? You come to church, you give your offerings, you give your partnership, you love the Lord, you say hi to your brethren afterwards. You go home the following day and then, and, and then you just re remain that way. It's not enough. The Lord is demanding that each one of us participate in the ministry of reconciliation, which is so winning. Every member of the church, everyone who belongs to the body of Christ has got this ministry. And the Bible says you must fulfill it. There is need for you to fulfill that ministry God has given you. When you reach heaven, when, when, when the Lord comes, he's not going to ask you what you did with the money he gave you for school fees or what you did with your academic qualifications or who you got married to, who you said no to. God is not going to ask you about all those things. He's going to ask you what you did with the ministry he gave you. And because you are here and you've heard that you've got the ministry of reconciliation, it means it's come to your attention. Therefore, he's calling you to actually fulfill that ministry. I remember there was a time I was sitting with someone and I was teaching them about the ministry of reconciliation. Guess what? They, they disputed. They said, mm -mm, for me, God told me I'm a kingdom financier. I looked at them and I said, you are lost. You are lost. Just like there are certain people who believe for them, they're just prayer warriors. They don't win souls. No, you are lost. You are lost. Because as much as you are a prayer warrior, as much as you are a kingdom financier, the ministry of reconciliation must not be abandoned. You don't abandon it just because God has given you another assignment. So every member of the church must participate in soul winning. It's very important. Extremely important. And when I say every member of the church, I don't, mean, I don't just mean this church. I mean just the body of Christ generally. Because it's been given to every member of the body of Christ. When was the last time you taught someone about Jesus? Ask your neighbor that question. Let him, let him answer you. When was the last time you taught someone about Jesus? Let them give you an answer. <laughs> and don't even lie. <laughs> don't lie. Be honest. When was the last time you taught someone about Jesus? The highest level of selfishness is not preaching the gospel. That's the highest level of selfishness. Because you've received something from God. See, you have a message that can make a drunkard into a saint. You have a message that can save someone's soul, so that can ensure that someone actually enters heaven. You have that message with you and you're keeping it to yourself. What do you mean? As in, if the gospel could work for you, you, God, the way God met you, if the gospel could work for you, why can't it work for someone else? You know how God met you. <laughs> you know how God met you. So if the gospel could work for you, why can't it work for someone else? You know what I tell myself? If I could get born again, in there, the way I know myself, then I think anyone else can. Because <laughs> look, I'm one person who, I believe I'm, I'm quite smart. I am, really. I'm not even, yeah, I am. <laughs> okay? So when it comes to certain things, even like the gospel, you see, before I could believe, I interrogated this thing. Mm -hmm. I asked questions. I just didn't believe because I grew up in a Christian home. Or like, I'm a, like you know, it will look like, because you, know, you know, in Zambia, it's, it sounds like a taboo if someone says they don't believe in God. Eh? I had to interrogate this faith. What is it I'm coming into? You're telling me I'm born again. How did it happen? That's a story for another day.
Anyway, so we have a ministry of reconciliation. So you must fulfill that ministry God has given you. So I said, church number one is a place of training. And if you're going to be an effective disciple, if you're going to be an effective soul winner, you must be trained. As in for someone to be a doctor, they have to be trained. If someone, for someone to be a teacher, they have to be trained. If for someone to be a nurse, an engineer, um, even, a, even a business person, they have to be, there's a training that takes place one way or another. Even in informal learning, trust me, there's a training that takes place. Even the people who tell you, I, I learned this skill by myself, trust me, they learned one way or another. There was, there, was, there, was a, there was a training that took place somewhere. They may not even have realized it. So imagine if you have to train, or just, ima just imagine you're going for an operation and the person operating is your first time handling it. They've never cut a person before. What will you do? You will stand up. Please call another doctor. <laughs> you understand, right? Because you believe your life should be put in the hands of someone who's trained enough and they've handled something similar or they've handled an operation before. Right? Yeah. So before we have all these things, uh, all these careers of this world really, there is a training that takes place. There are people who even go for training just so they can get a certificate. Because they hear that training, they, they give it a certificate. So they'll go for that training, get a certificate and put it on their CV. There is an importance in training. And church is the place where God trains you to become an effective disciple. Because every believer must be a disciple. Every believer must be a disciple. And church is that place of training. Let's look at one or two scriptures. The first one, a scripture we all know. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Let's recite it. One, two, three, go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Don't look at your Bible. Let's write Proverbs 22, verse 6. A memory verse. One, two, three, go. <laughs> People are not even sure. <laughs> Do we study our Bibles? <laughs> You're a man of God. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> Proverbs 22, verse 6. One, two, three, go. Yeah, so it's train up a child in the way. So it's, say, a child must be trained. You understand, right? Yes. Say, so train up a child in the way he should go. That when that when he's old, he will not. He will not. The Bible doesn't say he may not. It says he will not. It's a law there. So when you come in the house of God as a child, there is there is need for you to be trained as well in the things of God. There is need for you to be trained how to pray. One time the disciples went to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Like John taught his disciples how to pray. You know what that means? That means prayer can be taught. I can teach you how to pray. Are you following? It can be taught. So when you are listening, I remember one time when, when, I, was, when I was learning how to, how, how, how to pray and whatnot, there was this sister in the faith that I was with in high school. She's a pastor now. There was a way that she, she used to speak in tongues that I really liked. I liked her tongues. Like, I just like the tongues. Like, they just sound sophisticated. I want, I want to speak those tongues. You understand? Like, I really, I really, really liked it. So when she started leading prayer, I would always look forward. And that, then I couldn't, even, I couldn't even speak in other tongues. So I just said, listening. I was like, oh, that's how you speak. That's how you speak. <laughs> I didn't imitate, don't worry. So I, I learned, but in the way she was leading prayer and how she was going about it, I was being trained in how to lead as well and how to pray. 
The day I began to speak in tongues, no one had to, you see, most people believe when you're speaking in another tongue, you have to first start with English, and then when you feel deep, you shift. <laughs> because now it feels from, it's from your spirit, right? Now you shift, it sounds, because now it's now deep. I used to think like that. But when I saw this, I should just start. And then when I spoke in tongues, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to start like that as well. They gave me a mic, and I just spoke in tongues. Why? I learned it from somewhere. Someone trained me in how to go about it. Indirectly, but I was learning. You understand, right? And then now, when I began to pray on my own now, the things I was seeing my friends doing, that's why it's important who you surround yourself with. I learned how to pray for my friends, not, not from ministers of the gospel. Friends, we learned how to pray, and we would pray. We would pray together, all the time. So you need to be trained. And you will not depart from it. No, you will not. The same way you need to be trained, you need to be trained how to study the scriptures. There is a way you study the Bible. You don't study the Bible like you're reading a newspaper or like you're reading just any other book. There's a way you study the Bible. For example, do you know that you don't study the Bible without having somewhere to write down at least what, what you're learning? Because you forget. So as you are studying the Bible, you have somewhere where I write down some of the scriptures that bless your heart. You write them down. The people that memorize scriptures, do you know that they memorize it deliberately? Do you know it's deliberate to memorize scriptures? Don't think one day you wake up as a Psalms says this and you begin to quote it. Out of now, because you wake up, you woke up and you're in a vision. And something landed on your head. God laid hands on you himself. <laughs> and then you woke up. Now you can quote scriptures. No, it's very deliberate. You have to train yourself to remember scriptures. You train yourself, I have to remember this scripture. I have to remember. I have to remember. I have to recite it. You forget it, you go back again and you recite it again. Why? You are being trained. And church is that place where you, are being, where you get trained like that. You have to get trained in giving. There are people who are stingy. There are problems when it comes to giving. There are problems. You have to learn. You have to get trained how to give. And when I talk about giving, I don't mean just giving offerings, your tithe, everything. I mean just generally giving. Even just giving your own siblings. Sometimes it's a problem with some of you. You're going home. You, can't, you, you have enough money. You can't, buy, you can't even buy juice for your siblings. Just buying for yourself. Already, you already know that there's a problem here. <laughs> So I'm talking about giving generally, but church is that place where you get trained. If you can't, think about it. If you can't give God, you think you'll give your neighbor. You think you'll give your sibling. And let me tell you something. You, you may not even take care of your parents when they're old. They don't know life is hard nowadays. <laughs> life is just hard nowadays. It's not like before. Now it's just, it's very hard nowadays. <laughs> but you, you, have, you have to get trained into the way of the Lord. You train, you get trained to do the things of God. You train yourself to meditate. One of the ways in which I was trained, I, I, I had to learn how to meditate, is I, I, would, I would get my Bible, I would read my Bible, and I would say the word of God to myself. I would declare the word of God over myself. You understand, right? Declare the word of God over myself. And then when I go into those silent moments where I'm trying to meditate on the word of God now, my mind would wander. Why did Barcelona lose? <laughs> and then I have to come back and remember, okay, I'm meditating. <laughs> Those taps will not ruin my day. <laughs> you understand, right? Yeah. You start, you, you start imagining, ah, 
Try close the window. What if it starts raining? <laughs> My blankets. While in meditation, your mind will go everywhere. But you have to bring it back. You understand, right? You have to bring it back. When I sit to meditate on the road, my mind doesn't go anywhere. But did it start like that? No. I had to train myself to, to think about the word of God. Otherwise, you think about everything. How am I going to break my fast? Should I have a burger or pizza? Mm-hmm. Or oh, you can't relate. Should I have crackers? <laughs> <laughs> should I have should I have crackers or what what just biscuit or dondo? <laughs> That's still there. <laughs> I, I need, to, I, need, I need to eat one of those things in a, in a long time. But yeah. <laughs> so you train yourself like that. So church is that place where God trains you because you're his child. So he's trained up a child in the way you should go. That means there's a way God wants you to grow and church is that place where God begins to train you. When you're listening to the word of God being taught like this, your mind is being trained. Your spirit is being trained. Things about everything about you is being trained. Are you together? Yeah, and when you start learning to serve in the house of God, your service in the house of God, you can, you, you can get trained into, into how, how to go about how to serve, even, even the, the outside world. Let's go on. Galatians chapter number 4, verse 1. Galatians 4, verse 1. It's a scripture I've quoted many times. Galatians chapter number 4, verse 1. The Bible says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave though he is master of all. Verse 2 says, but is under guardians and stewards until the appointed time by the father. That means an heir, he's a child, right? But the father will put guardians and stewards over him to take care of him because he's still a child. Just like when you were younger, their parents couldn't leave you alone when they're going into town. They have to say, watch over this child because they know you, you may hurt yourself if you're left alone. You understand, right? So there's someone that takes care of you. And church is that place where you get to, as you, so, so to ensure that you're growing, church is that place where God puts a steward over you to ensure, to ensure you're being taken care of. There are some of you, the reason you're here is because God doesn't want you to be, dis- he doesn't want distraction to come upon you as you go in your life. That's so why you're here. There are decisions that would have been costly. You understand? Yes, yes. Yeah. When I went under Apostle Fred, I don't remember the year, but it should be 2014 somewhere there when, when he started mentoring me. By the time I was going under Apostle Fred, we were prophesying. So remember the time I was invited to preach, to preach at, at, at a meeting somewhere. Ah, we prophesied to the whole church, one after another, until the whole church was done except the pastor. <laughs> <laughs> the ushers, everyone, protocol, put in Peter. <laughs> everyone. <laughs> You understand? So there was a, the call of God was very evident. I was preaching already. I was getting invitations. So pastor called me and told me to calm down a little. You see, if apostle didn't sit me down and guide me, I would have opened this church maybe six years ago. <laughs> if that wasn't the appointed time by God. But there was fire in my spirit. You understand, right? The man humbled me. <laughs> he told me to calm down. Learn to serve. How am I going to serve pastors? Let's go. As you are going, carry my Bible. Me. I'm a spiritual father somewhere. When I agree with my children by then. Yes, they were there. When I agree with them, they were there. By then. I was a father already. They were calling me dad. I'm carrying your Bible. Me. 
<laughs> but it's through, it's through that that we began to learn. You understand, right? We began to learn. Now we say living in the same house, I own my clothes. So I'm going out, ensure my shoes are done. Jesus. I learned what I was, what I, I think I only learned, I think after two years what God was teaching me the whole period. At some point, of course, it didn't become a bother. It was a joy doing it. Loved it. Given up. If I wasn't doing this, I'd be doing that. That's me. I don't know about you. If I wasn't, if, if I wasn't pastoring, I would still be serving Apostle Fred today. So the point is, there are various ways in which God trains us for our core. Because remember, each one of us has got a ministry on our lives, right? Each one of us has got a destiny that God wants to fulfill. Now, in your various destiny, and let me put it this way. When I talk about having a ministry, I don't mean you'll be a pastor. Let me correct it, okay? Because a lot of people, everyone wants to be a pastor when they, get, when they begin to sense certain things. It doesn't happen that way. There are some of you that God has called you. You will be great in the business world. So great. Mm -hmm. No, I'm telling you, some of you, I even know this one will be great in the business world. This one will be a great doctor. This one will make a very great lawyer. This one will make a great businesswoman. You, you can be great in one field and still serve God effectively. You understand, right? Earlier today, I was, I was telling the people I was with early, I told them to say, this week I was in court, I think on Wednesday. Yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I was in court for three days. And the first time I was in court, I went before the judge and you know how lawyers are dressed. Robes and everything, so hot. <laughs> and I recognize this person who is the judge in front of me. I'm like, she looks familiar, I've seen her somewhere before. Until I remembered, oh, wait, she's actually a Sunday school teacher at Bread of Life. But she's a high court judge. And if you know how high court judges are prominent in this country, you'll be amazed. But this is someone who is serving, but they're still great in another field. I know doctors who are great like that. So you don't have to strive for ministry the way I'm doing it for you to serve God. Whatever capacity you have, if what God has given you to sing, sing in the church. When you're done singing in the church, go pursue those papers. <laughs> yeah, go out. If you're doing business, go out and doing business. I, I won't wake up one day and I'm ordaining you as a pastor today. And I think, ah, oh, Lord, I see life younger. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> Are you following? So church is that place where God trains you for what you need. And it's a buffet because all of you here, even as I'm sharing this, some of you, you're all being trained differently. This message, you're relating with it differently. <laughs> you understand, right? Yeah, but it's in this place where God will train you to become everything he wants you to be. If God wants you to be a manager somewhere at a bank or something, through this ministry, God can raise you to become that. Even as you are doing something else with, with your academics. So church is that place where God trains you. Tell your neighbor, God is training me here. God is training me. Look at them as you tell them. Say, God is training me here. God is training me here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So God trains you here. All right? And on this point, I think I'll mention, I'll, I'll give one last scripture. Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 11, a scripture we all know. All right. Maybe let's start from verse 9. Whew. Okay, for the sake of context, there's a point I, 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 want, I want to put across. Let's start from verse 8. 
Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 8 to 11. If you're there, say glory. <coughs> Are you being blessed? Yes, sir. Okay. Today is not one of those sermons where I'm jumping and shouting, eh? Do I jump and shout? <laughs> Thank God. If you said yes. <laughs> I was going to end the service next week at, at 15 from 9. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> These people are tired. Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 8, right? The Bible says, Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he said he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. I love that scripture. I think it's one of my favorite. You know what it means when the Bible says he led captivity captive? Can I explain to you? He led captivity captive. What that means is, remember, Satan had the ability to keep men captive. All right? For example, he could keep men captive, for example, in sickness. Someone is bound to sickness. Someone is bound to sin. Someone is bound to all these things. Right? So that ability to keep men captive the Bible says Jesus led it into captivity. In other words, the ability of Satan to arrest was arrested by Jesus. <laughs> That's why when you read the book of Matthew, you realize that when Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't come out alone. Have you seen that in the book of Matthew? Those of you who read your Bibles. The Bible records that when Jesus rose from the dead, the graves of the saints opened. In other words, those who feared the Lord, their graves opened and they also came out alive. And the Bible says they presented themselves into the city. What that means is all those Avena David who had died and everything, they came out that day. That means the ability for Satan to even kill. As Jesus led it into captivity. In other words, that ability is now in chains. He has bound it. Anyway, and then he says he gave gifts to men when he was done. And then he shows you which gifts are. And then he says, now this he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. Okay? That simply means before he ascended, he descended. What that means simply is that before he went to heaven, he first went to hell. That's what the scripture is telling you. All right? He went into the lower parts of the earth. He went to hell firstly. He did what he needed to do. The book of Colossians chapter number 2 verse 15 shows us exactly what happened when he went to hell. Anyway, that's a story for another day. It goes on to say, He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all heavens, that he might feel all things. Verse 11 says, And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets. So it shows you there are people who preach that we no longer have prophets in this generation. The Bible says he gave some to be prophets. So if you don't believe in prophets, you don't believe in the Bible. Are we together? Yeah. And then, <clears throat> some to be prophets, and say some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Now, what was the whole essence of giving this to the church? It says, for the equipping, the correct rendering there is from the KJV, which says for the perfecting. If you're reading it from the KJV, right? It says for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry. Who has the work of ministry here? The pastor or the saints? The saints, according to the Bible, right? Yes. Yeah. So in other words, God gave ministry for the saints. The one who trains the saints for ministry is the pastor, the, the, the apostle, the prophet, and, and, and so on. 
So when you come into church, this is actually training ground for what God... See, God is training you for what you should do when you go out there. So when you come in church and God has given you the corporate world, and if, if, if God gives away, say, the world is yours, what this means is that when you go out there, he's, given, he's trained you to think that you've conquered the whole world already. You go into the world thinking you've already conquered the business world. You go into the world thinking you've already conquered everything that you do. Academics, you've already excelled. But that happens when you are trained in church first. You understand? And that's how when you receive a word in church, take it personal, take it out there. The man of God prays to pray and releases grace. You think grace is just for praying and grace is just... What if that grace is meant for you for, for to do business? What if that grace is meant for your academics? What if that grace is meant for you to go change your family forever? What if that grace is meant for you to go change your whole boarding house? Why are you limiting it to just yourself? So when you come here, you're getting trained for ministry. Tell your neighbor, saying, I'm called into ministry. <laughs> Look at them, tell them, I'm called into ministry. <laughs> now explain how you're called. <laughs> you are to be learning here. Explain how you're called. Look at your neighbor. Explain how you're called into ministry. <laughs> Don't just look at you two. <laughs> Talk. <laughs> How are you called? What are you called to do? Ethel, we're not talking to anyone. There's someone behind you. Talk, ten. <laughs> so when you come here, we can, we can stop now. So when you come here, this is training ground for what God has called you to do. It's training ground for where God wants you to go. You see, the word of God is like a master key. It works everywhere. There is no door it can't open. How together? So when you receive the word of God on Sunday, you go out there and you use the word of God to conquer everything around you. So don't just use the word of God, I feel it in my spirit, the anointing, I feel it in my spirit. Hell, I want to lay hands on the sick. What, of that, what if that anointing is for the corporate world? <laughs> there are people anointed for that. Very much anointed for it. I've met some who are like that. It's like they're just grace upon them. <laughs> May it be so for you. <laughs> yeah. May it be so for you. Yeah. There are some people you will encounter, you will think they're God's favorite children. Just like this one, that's the way God deals with them. Like, I think him and God just have like a relationship which is just different. No, there's an anointing working for that person. Can I disturb it to my theology a little? When you learn such things, you will know that when you come to church, you don't tap into the anointing. How do you tap into anointing a beneficiary of already? <laughs> if God has given you a man of God who is anointed for your benefit, how are you tapping? Should you just get it and just go use it? <laughs> what are we tapping into? <laughs> Pastor, I tap into this game. <laughs> uh, then you're not a member of this church if I tap into this. <laughs> we don't tap into anything here. <laughs> I need to tap into that anointing past. If you are still tapping, then you're not a child of the ministry. <laughs> you're a visitor. You come and you go. And you keep tapping. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah. Because God has anointed me for your sake. So it means every ounce of grace of my life should work automatically for you. No, it should. It should. 
I noticed how my man of God was easily having money. I just told God, look, you gave him that anointing. It's working for me. And it's working. No prayer was prayed. I just acknowledged what, I just noticed what was on him. And he started working. <laughs> because if God has, you see, let me put it this way. There is no tree which bears fruit for itself. The sun doesn't shine for itself. So God doesn't anoint you for yourself. So if God puts grace on someone, it's for someone else. It can work for you and benefit for you a little there, here and there, but it's for someone else. Unless you've ever you've, you've seen a mango tree that eats its own fruit. Have you ever seen that? It bears fruit for you who eats, right? Yeah, the sun shines for you, right? It doesn't need to show anyone that it's a sun. And just like Jesus didn't ascend for himself. <laughs> Jesus didn't sit on the throne for himself. He sat on our behalf. On his own, he didn't even need to come. Whether he came or he didn't come, it changes nothing about him. He's God. But he came for your sake. That means whatever Jesus accomplished, 100% of what Jesus accomplished is for the believer. He never even died for himself. He didn't need to. <laughs> he didn't need to die for himself. No, there was no need. That means his death was for you. His resurrection was for you. You understand, right? His ascension was for you. Him being glorified, it was for you. Tell your neighbor, Jesus died for me. Say it like you mean it. Say, Jesus died for me. He rose from the dead for me. He sits on the throne for me. Yes. <laughs> when you understand that, your life will change. It will change. He didn't do it for himself. All right? So pastors are meant for training, for perfecting. That's, this, is, this, is, this is why I emphasize on teaching a lot. You see, if you, if you meet me at a conference where, I think most of you haven't been at a conference where I'm like the main speaker, have you? I think Victory Conference, I was it was Apostle. Most of the conferences where I'm, I'm, I'm the main speaker, I hardly preach. It's just power, power everywhere. That's <laughs> fire, fire everywhere. Because I'm not, I'm not teaching there, but in church it's different. I can't come here every Sunday, you're all falling under, under the power of God. You're not learning then. Because you can go with the anointing. The, the anointing is not the word of God. Only the word of God can grow you. There are Sundays I come to church and I can sense it. I have to contain it. Lord, help me. <laughs> I have to contain it. Lord, help me. If we flow in this direction, people will just be slain until the end. But we can't contain it, teach the word of God, and leave. <laughs> Why? Because if you're going to be properly trained, I have to give you the word of God. <coughs> Are we together? I have to give you the word of God. Have you ever met a believer who flows in the gifts of the Spirit very effectively, but they're a child in the Word of God? I have. He touched me by mistake, he died by corruption. He just knows he's a child. He talks like this. No, when I hear, even when I hear someone leading prayer, every witch, die. <laughs> die. You are sitting on my blessing, the blessing Christ gave you. Yes. Someone else is sitting on it. <laughs> Everyone sitting on my progress, then your progress is not in Christ. <coughs> if someone can sit on your progress, it's not in Christ. 
But if your success is in Christ, no one can sit on it. If your prosperity is in Christ, no, see, no enchantment can work. So when I hear prayers, like I can tell these are children. And sometimes if I'm in a meeting, they're leading prayer, I just look. I'll just preparing my own things. Lord, thank you for loving me the way you love me. <laughs> we don't kill witches here. How are we killing the people Jesus died for? No, how? How? Suffer not the ways to live. Are you Moses? <laughs> Let me share this with you. One time someone asked me a question that I think is very important. They asked me to say, how come some of these things happened in the Old Testament and whatnot? You know what I told them? I told them the fact that something is written in that manner, it doesn't mean it reveals the character of God. The only person who reveals the character of God in the Bible is Jesus. That Moses handled a situation in a particular way doesn't mean he was correct. Are we together? You see, Elijah caught fire from heaven and consumed the orders of Baal and whatnot, right? The disciples wanted to call the fire from heaven. What did Jesus tell them? Whose spirit are you of? So they asked them, whose spirit are you of? He was surprised. Where are you getting this from? <laughs> he was surprised. Where are you getting this from? <coughs> but wasn't it in the Bible? Then they used to call the Torah, of course. Was it there? He was there. It was written. Jesus had accessed those, those teachings. How I know? Because you remember in Luke chapter, Luke, yeah, Luke chapter number four, when Jesus went into the temple and then he opened the scriptures, right? He read from the book of Isaiah, right? It mm-hmm. was even at that time the books of Isaiah and everyone else, they were already written. Meaning these books, some of these books, Jesus read them while he was alive on the earth. So for, for these guys to say, Let, let's go down fire like Elijah did. And he just said, whose spirit are you of? He was surprised. Where are you getting this from? I've never taught you this. So next time before you say, Holy Ghost, fire. What fire are you calling? And from where? Whose spirit are you of? <laughs> no, whose spirit are you of? Oh, we burn. We burn. Oh, every, everything. <laughs> Look. Jesus is the true reflection of God. Jesus is the true reflection of God. And when you read the epistles, that's why you don't find certain things being said in the epistles. There are things you don't find in the epistles that when Elijah did, when Moses did. You don't find those things in the epistles. Because the revelation that when Paul began to have now was the revelation according to Jesus. And Jesus is the one who reflected the will of the Father. I'll give you an example of this. In the Old Testament, for example, there was a distinction between men and women. Right? There was a way women were treated. They were inferior to men according to what, how they did in the Old Testament, right? But when Jesus came, he died and he rose. He says there's, there's neither male nor female in Christ. What he was saying, look, now there's no difference. Men are not superior to women. So you can't use how Moses treated women to say women are like this now, now, now. You don't do that. Jesus never did. And that may ask you a question, then how come he just had male disciples? Because he lived in the Old Testament himself. The New Testament only began when he resurrected. So because he lived in the Old Testament, he was bound by certain rules as well. He couldn't do them. Simple as that. I've answered the question maybe that I had. Have... <laughs> you understand, right? Yes, so when you want to see the character of God, look at Jesus. How did Jesus treat people? Treat people that way. How did Jesus love people? Love people that way. How did Jesus give? Give that way. How did Jesus pray? Pray that way. Jesus had, Jesus had a good prayer life. He would pray the whole night. 
<laughs> he, had a, he had a concrete prayer life. When you look at that, you, this is how, this is how I, I must be. Before I do on one point, let me move on. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> church is a city of refuge. It's a city of refuge. I'm sure maybe most of you have actually read or heard about city of refuge, right? Have you? How many have never heard of city of refuge in the Bible? It's okay to raise your hand if you don't know. You've never heard of city of refuge in the Bible. Great. Let's go to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter number 35. I know there are more of you who've never heard of it. You're just feeling so to raise your hand. And Emmanuel just calls me more papa. Be like, number one, me raising my hand to such questions. I said, hey, Daniel. Daniel, I'm talking to you. When I agree on <laughs> Praise God. Numbers chapter number 35, verse 6. Numbers chapter number 35, verse 6. You'll read the whole, the whole lot of it, but I'll, I'll, I'll skip a little. Numbers chapter number 35, Numbers 35, verse 6. The Bible says, Now among the cities which you will give to the Levites, remember the Levites here were the priests. All right? They were the priests. So it says, among, Now among the cities which you will give to the, to the Levites, the priests, you shall appoint six cities of refuge to which a manslayer may flee. A manslayer is simply someone who's killed someone. Are you together? Yeah, someone has slayed a man, you've killed someone. He says, someone may flee. He says, so that those who add, uh, so, and, to, and to these you shall add 40, 42 cities. And then he goes on to explain and whatnot. And then verse, we've got to jump to verse 9. Verse 9 says, uh, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, when you cross the Jordan to the land of Canaan, then, then, you, appoint, then you shall appoint cities to, to be cities of refuge for you, that the manslayer who kills any person accidentally may flee there for the sake of time. Let's, let me not read everything here. Let me explain what, 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 what the Bible is trying to tell you there. What that means is this. An example um, is, let's say, imagine this, this room is called that city of refuge. All right? Now, how it was in the Old Testament is that when you commit murder, they would stone you to death. You understand, right? You would be killed because you've killed another person. And that is why when Moses killed the person, he ran away. Remember that, right? Moses actually ran away. So now, what God was trying to say there is this. The Levites must create a city of refuge. What that means is, if someone has committed that sin where they've killed someone, and then they run into that city of refuge. Even if the people find you there, they are not allowed to touch you. So even if you are running and people are, are stoning you from behind, the moment you reach the city of refuge, the stoning must stop. Because that's the place now. It's like it, it's, a, it, it's a place of safety. It's a place where no hurt is allowed to come on you. It's a place where everywhere, everywhere else you may be condemned, but in that place you are not allowed to be condemned. So when we say church is a city of refuge, or the church is a city of refuge, it simply means the church is that place where, look, you might have messed up everywhere else, but this is a place to come, where you come and you get corrected. It's a place where you come. See, the whole world may want to kill you, condemn you, and everything else, but the place, the church, should be different. It's a city of refuge. And that's why I don't understand people who, when you sin, you miss church. That's like saying you are dirty and you can't go get into a shower. I am too dirty for the shower. Is that anything like that? <laughs> this bathtub, I'm just too dirty for it. Indeed, his job to clean you up. Yeah. So when he said church is a city of refuge, it simply means this is a place of safety. 
It means we prepare you for the coming of the Lord Jesus so that you don't miss it. The whole world may be doing everything else, but when you come here, something different must take place. You are treated differently here. The city of refuge, the person who, who had committed a wrong was treated a certain way, uh, uh, differently from, from, from uh, uh, they gone out there. If you go out there, they will kill you. You come here, you are safe. And that's how it is when you come in church. It's that place. And that's why when we are praying for one another, one of the prayers you must pray for the fellow believers is preservation. You pray for their preservation. Why? They, as long as you've identified, oh, these brothers come in church. I've seen them in church. It, the moment you just see them there, automatically they're on your prayer list. You begin to pray for them. So it means even if the enemy planned to touch them this week, there was a prayer that was already prayed by a brother in the church. The city of refuge is acting as a city of refuge. Are you following? Yeah. That's what it means. That's why you must pray for one another because you're acting as protection for one another in the church. So even if the enemy wanted to attack uh, this brother here, maybe, maybe with sickness, you prayed for him already. One time Jesus told Peter, he says, the enemy seeks after you, but I've prayed for you that, you, that your faith will not fail. You know what it means? There's a reason why Peter never backslid when he denied Jesus, but Judas killed himself. There was a prayer that preserved Peter. Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. It means there was no way Peter's faith was going to fail. That same prayer was never made on Judas. That's why afterwards he ended up hanging himself. We can become that where you pray, oh, I've prayed for you that your health will not fail. I've prayed for you that your mental health will not fail. I've prayed for you that your finances will not fail. I've prayed for you that your career will not fail. I've prayed, as in, you, you pray for one another. So when you come to church, especially if you're a member of Believer's Life Church, even the enemy knows he's not allowed to touch you. No, he's not allowed to touch you. He's not allowed. He has no permission whatsoever. I pray for all of you. No permission whatsoever to touch any of you. Why? It's a city of refuge. It's a city of refuge. You've come here and you are safe. Praise God. Amen. Yeah. Due to time, I'll make the last point. I may continue next week or I might teach something else, depending on how the Lord leads me. The last point is the church is a place where you hear God. The Bible tells us about something called the potter's house in the book of Jeremiah 18, verse 2. Jeremiah 18, verse 2. The Bible says, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Now think about it. Why didn't God cause him to hear his words where he was already? He had to be somewhere. He had to be in a particular place. Jeremiah 18, verse 2 to 4. He had to be in a particular place. And it was in that potter's house that God began to tell him words in relation to what he wanted him to hear. So church is that place like the potter's house where God brings you here to hear a message from him. And so I believe, for me, I believe if you've been coming to this church or if you've even come twice or three times and you've not heard a message from God specifically for you, then come the fourth time and you, you'll hear it. Because everyone, there's a message that God will have for you as long as you're here. As long as you're here. Why? It's a potter's house. It's a place where God speaks to us. It's a place where God gives you a message specifically for you, designed for you. Praise God. Let's stand to our feet. Raise your hands. In. I want you to pray. Make a prayer that everything you've learned today the enemy has no access to it. The word of God bears fruit in you. Pray that the enemy has no access to this word.